Abed and all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here, finally made it to Friday, hope you're all doing well. And right off we have a voicemail from Mark Walring of the Young Albear. Go ahead, Mark. Glenn, it's Mark from the Yawning Owlbear. Just got done listening to the Midderlands interview uh, that you had done. And I was just curious to know, um, I noticed that you talked before about constantly, a few times, of astonishing swordsmen, sorcerers, and uh, Miss Garther. Uh, besides those and uh, swords and wizardry, um, what specific actual systems and actual game settings do you usually prefer playing the most? Uh, just food for thought that I could probably use and look into uh, dealing with my group, maybe for like one future one shots. But uh, it's good to hear from you again, and keep it up, man. Keep the stories coming. Hey, thanks for calling in, Mark. I appreciate it. Well, you know, let me go over this real quick for you. I've been gaming since 81, so there it depends on what time of my life. We'll talk about now, but I did want to give you a little background. If you'd asked me oh, 30 years ago, it would have been champions, champions, and champions with a little AD&D thrown on the side, and then it was 2E and 3E and blah, 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 down the road. Today, ever since I started getting with the OSR, and thank you for the addition for doing that. <laughs> my go-tos, first of all, my go-to, I've already said my go-to is going to be Swords and Wizardry as far as like class and level goes. But I am enjoying the hell out of Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. So... Aside from the campaign we're doing with that, I would be using swords and almost exclusively. If somebody else asked me to run another type of system like that, I could probably do it. But if you want to play something, I'll grab Swords and Wizardry or Swords and Wizardry Light if it's just like we're just going to BS around or these are newbies or something like that or I'm doing a demo. But it's going to be some kind of Swords and Wizardry because... To me, that's like the OSR. Oh, this this phrase is getting overused, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's like the OSR Rosetta Stone. They said the same thing about castles and crusades at one time, but that was more like the the D and D Rosetta Stone. And this is even more. I think it, I think the Swords and Wizardry is even more of a Rosetta Stone because you can adapt anything from O D and D on up. I don't know about 4th, 3rd might be a little bit of a pain, 4th probably a bigger pain, but 5th edition, it'd be real easy to, to adapt from there too. So, I've got to say, it's going to be Swords and Wizardry with a side of Astonishing Swordsman. Astonishing Swordsman, we're doing the Monday game, we're doing an Astonishing Swordsman. I'm not running it right now, my friend Carlos is running it. I, but I ran it, I ran them up until 10th level. And we're at fourth level right now. And it's just every time I start playing it, I find something new about it. Right now, it's the spells because I'm playing a an illusionist. And and other, I've seen other people play 
Magic users in there before, and it's just it's a wonder. Oh wow, I can do the it let it lets me do this. This is great. So, and it, you know, and then I find like combat maneuvers and other things like that. I just didn't know you could do in this game. That's why Astonishing Swordsman is so fascinating to me right now. But I would rather run Swords and Wizardry because I'm familiar with it. And if I'm familiar with Swords and Wizardry, if you're familiar with Swords and Wizardry, you're familiar with pretty much 99% of the class and level role-playing games out there, a.k.a. the versions of D&D and their clones, the old-school old D&D. So those are my go-tos, pretty much, for for that kind of for that kind of play. Mythgarther is a fifth edition adaption, so I just play in it. It's a nice system. I like it because it's it's like I said, like I've told people before, if somebody put a gun to my head and forced me to run fifth edition, I'd grab this book, Mythgarther. Because Matt took all the BS out of it, all the stuff that I didn't need. And streamlined it in a way that I can de- that I can handle. At least as a player, I don't think I'm ever going to DM it because hey, it's Matt's game. I'm in his game, so you know whatever. But I I think that it's a great a great adaption of Five E. But it'll be Swords of Wizardry for me. So anyway, thank you for calling in, Mark. I really appreciate it. Okay, I saw some interesting. I saw an interesting YouTube video about playing NPCs. And playing NPC dialogue in particular. It was the How to Be a Great Game Master series on YouTube. I check it out. It's a pretty good series. And they were talking about, you know, what what the personality of the NPC, the motivations, what do they do before and after the PCs interact with them, things like that, which I all think are great. I think are great for major NPCs and NPCs you think that they're going to react to. Now, once again, I'm falling back on my actor training, and there's nothing wrong with that because I think if you can if you have a little bit of that, it'll help you with your game mastering. And I I keep thinking there's got to be a simpler way because if you're if they want to talk, if they're going to talk to the garbage man on the street and you really hadn't planned on it. I mean, this is, this is a way to improvise NPC dialogue. I would, I understand where he's going with it, but you know, to sit there and go, okay, what's his personality? What was he doing before and after? What's his attitude towards the PCs? What's his, and it's like, you know, if you're playing on the fly, I really don't have any time to sit down and analyze this NPC because I, I mean, he says, these are things you should keep in your mind and you probably could train yourself to automatically think of these things while you're playing it. My important thing is what's going on in the story or what's going I shouldn't say story. Sorry. Story plot. No framework here. We've got, they've got a goal. The, the PCs may have a goal. I don't know. They may have a goal, but, but usually they do. What, what can this NPC do to further their goal? How do they interact with them? Maybe nothing. You know, it just, they don't do anything. But that, to me, I tend to be character and story. Unfortunately, I'm story-driven in my in my gaming, I in my game mastering. I don't like to be all the time because I love good characters. I love a good scene. Being an actor, I love characters. Char- and that kind of thing. So, 
I try to strike, I always try to strike a balance. And it's not easy. Because it's sometimes you got to think about the plot. And I like a good plot, too. But, like I said, we're talking about frameworks, not plots. Because who drives the story? The player characters. They're the ones that drive the story. You may have presented with the situation, but they're the ones that drive the story. Don't forget that. I mean, you're all making the story, but, you know, you got your ballywick. They got their ballywick. And this is what each of you bring to the table to make this story. So... You've got to make it a framework. So anyway, you guys, so they, they pick on a random NPC to talk to. And so you've got to decide whether this NPC has any information pertinent to the plot or not. Some NPCs, they're just, they're there. They're extras. They're, you know, cast of thousands. Uh, they're extras. And a lot of times it's like, if they stop the garbage man on the street and ask him about who kidnapped the king's daughter, he's not going to know. Or maybe he does. Maybe he's talking to the exact person they need to talk to. Or not. Or maybe somebody who who wants them to think that. You know, these are all things that are running through my mind when I'm playing an NPC. Because to me, it's the distribution of information to the PCs. To me, it's... Okay, I've got this situation unfolding in front of them. They're driving it, but I have to decide how that information gets to them, if it gets to them at all. Because, you know, they gotta do their part. They gotta do their they gotta do their their investigation or whatever the heck they're gonna do, you know, adventuring. And, you know, they've got things to do on the on the way. You know, you have encounters, they have fights, things like that. But they're the ones, like I said, you got. You, you just remember, if you remember the PCs drive the story, actually, if you remember the PCs drive the story, it makes creating adventures and prep easier because you just go, okay, this is happening. I wonder what they're going to do. You know, it's not like I'm throwing something against the wall to see what sticks, although that's a good idea to do. I just feel that you set it up, They. it's like, you're t- <laughs> it's like you're giving the straight line they're giving you the punchline mm-hmm. just remember that what happens is the punchline if it may change your story so be it they make and like i said i like playing i like doing this because nine times out of ten they come up with better stuff than i could than i ever i could so as far as NPCs go, that's why I like to break the information up into chunks. So I could decide whether this PC is going to is going to to help or not. That one game I did with the vampire, the the benevolent vampire with his grandfather and all that, I had the whole thing laid out. I had the whole backstory laid out, but I didn't really and I, and I had the situations that were going to happen, like the ghoul and zombie attack on the cattle and all this other stuff, and them going down into the crypts. And, you know, I had those set pieces. I'm going to call them set pieces. I'm not even going to call them encounters. They're set pieces. Because set pieces, you could either set them up or just leave them alone. So, but I had, I knew what was going on. Now, how do I get this to the players? I can juggle this information between NPCs. And NPC personality has a lot to do with it, let me tell you. 
because, you know, there may be some guys who won't give them information at all. You may have to threaten them. There must be guys who, there might be NPCs who, oh, yeah, yeah, let me tell you about it. And there may, might be others who, oh, yeah, I can tell you about that. How much money you got? The, you know, those kind of things. And I just try and parcel out the information depending on watching, like I said, they drive the story. I'm watching how they drive the story. Okay, think of it as a cart. You're the guy, you're you're the wagon master up there, and they're the ones pulling the wagon. Unfortunately, all you can do is like get them to go and get them to stop. They decide the direction. And whatever direction they go to, and, and once again, it's a tennis match too. You're trying to zig when they zig and zag when they zag, and NPCs are a large part of that. Parceling out information to the NPCs is is just is something I can do on the fly. Something you should do on the fly usually, unless you actually have something where they have to have this person give that that piece of information, which I think is kind of bad DMing, GMing. I I'm not saying it's bad bad, but I'm just saying that it's it restricts you to it restricts me too much. So you know, whenever there's going to talk about any talk to any NPC, just you know, give them a quick personality thing. You can even just give them a little quirk or something like that. And you decide whether or not they're going to advance, the NPC is going to advance the story or not. Or give them the information they need. And it's really easy to do on the fly if you have, it, have the, the information all laid out. Because the information is... Now, to me, backstory is... It's okay... And if it pertains to the plot, oh yes, do a backstory. Usually is, but you're dealing with what they're dealing with at that moment. And what I'm saying is, the information you give them is, you know, all part of the greater story. And it's always easy to, if you have all this out, it's like, what are they doing now? The what what the what your plot is is. This is what's going to happen if the PCs don't interfere. That's the crux of every adventure for me. This is what's going to happen if they don't intervene or affect the story in some way. So I've got this whole plan laid out. You know, give your information out with these NPCs or not, depending on how you do it, and juggle information if you have to. In that vampire game, I had... I did the play test where the characters at one point went to a voodoo master in the woods, who was a benevolent voodoo master, and got some of their information. Okay, fine. That's cool. When I ran it at a convention, those player characters did not want to go anywhere near that zombie master because they were because they had they'd already been through the zombie attack with the cattle, zombie and ghoul attack. And so they didn't want anything to do with the guy. They wouldn't go into the forest or anything. So I moved that information from there to the grave to the grave digger, the the caretaker in the in the graveyard, because they had to go see him too, and which led into a very interesting interesting uh, encounter with him and werewolves and the PCs. But he, I said, okay, I'll just move the information over to this guy. And you might even have some set pieces where you can set up a set piece with an NPC that they never see, that they never go to. 
I, I mean, what I'm saying is you have a few extras. A couple of think of, think about your plot and think about where can I put an extra scene or two with these NPCs who they n- may never meet, and if they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. You know, and it's easier to cut for time. It's easier to do for time too, especially if you're doing a convention game. It's easier to have some extra scenes that are optional that will kind of affect the plot if you want to. And another, it's another font of information, a chunk of information you can give them through that NPC. But as far as the NPC personalities go, at that point, if I'm having set pieces, I may have NPCs with set personalities. Then I can think about, okay, what are they going to do? Whether they have the attitude towards the player characters, what were they doing? What's their goal? All this other stuff. But like, like I said, NPCs on the fly, you can use them for information too. But it's more like give them a quirk, give them an attitude, and you can figure out if you want to give them information or not, and the result of that, you can figure out a little down the line. In other words, they're leading the, they're leading the card again. You're holding on to the reins. So that's the way to work with NPCs like that. So, wow, I've talked a lot. <laughs> I'm going to go start my day. So if you want to talk to me about this or anything else, you can drop me an email at oldmangrognar@gmail.com, or you can give me a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can support this program, and I would thank you. And thank you to my supporters, Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, and Juan Carlos. Okay, so until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.